time is most appropriate for you as you are tuning into this podcast. Welcome to a brand new day with Stephanie J. I am your host. Of course, you know that by now. I am excited about another opportunity just to be able to talk to you. I pray that you are doing well on this day. Why? Did you ask me why? Well, if you've heard any of my other episodes, you already know what I'm going to say because this is the day that the Lord has made and we should rejoice and we should be glad in it. And you might be sitting there thinking, am I supposed to be glad about all of this mess going on? Am I supposed to be glad about what I'm facing? Am I supposed to be glad about the hurts, the heartaches, the heartbreaks, the betrayals? Am I supposed to be glad about my money or my funny money? Am I supposed to be glad about this man or this woman that I married that just works my nerves? Am I supposed to be glad about these children that's just driving me? All of that. I hear you, hear you, I hear you loud and clear. But the answer is yes. Yes, you should be glad and you should be rejoicing if you are alive to see another day. Why? Because life is a gift. Someone said every day above the dirt is a good day. There are people in cemeteries all around the world who would trade places with you. I'm quite sure if we could ask them, they would tell you they'd rather be on this side, even amid all of the crises, the heartaches, the disappointments. Um, yes, I'm sure you can kind of see my point there. So yes, regardless as to what is going on in your life right now, come on, get happy. There's a song out there called Come On, Get Happy. I don't know the guy's name who sings that, but, you know, come on, get happy. You know, you don't always have to have a reason, but if you need to find a reason, look at yourself. Go look at yourself in the mirror. Do you have your limbs? And if, if you don't have your limbs, do you have your sight? Do you have your vision? Do, or do you have your senses intact? Do you have ears to hear? And I understand that there are some people who may not have 
everything that some of us have, but if you're alive, if you have life in you, then you are still blessed. So sometimes it's just a shift of perspective, a change of perspective that needs to take place. That's all I'm saying. And I didn't give you my acronym for rejoice or tell you what it means to rejoice. So let me take a moment to do that now before I continue with my topic. What do we do about our children? So what does it mean to rejoice? It means to experience joy and gladness in a high degree, to be exhilarated with lively and pleasurable sensations to exalt. And my acronym for rejoice is reach every day for the joy offered in Christ to everyone. And there's a scripture in the Bible that says the joy of the Lord is my strength. So that's my opening. That's my story. And I'm going to stick to it. So the last episode, I started talking to you on the topic of what do we do about our children. And I talked about suicide among young people, even as early as age 10, which I have mentioned several times that I have a son who is 10 about to turn 11 up to the ages of 24. And I read some of the statistics that I found on Wikipedia and some other sites, including Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Wall Street Journal. Um, it is it is really disheartening. It is really a sad situation. And it is really so sad to see that so many people feel like, and not just children, because we know suicide rates are high among adults as well, but it is so sad that people feel so alone that they feel like this is the only solution to whatever problems or whatever they're feeling. And I'm asking myself the question as I'm listening to these things and looking at these statistics, like, what do we do about this? What do we do in this situation? Because the numbers are high, but even if it were a low number, it would still be too many. There really should be no suicides. Suicide is something that really, in my opinion, should not exist among us. It's bad enough, you know, that we have to deal with homicides and, you know, a lot of violent crimes and things of this nature, but suicide, taking your own life. And I, I do understand that people take their lives for many reasons, but nonetheless, the rates are high and they are climbing. I think I ended with uh, the statistic that says 9.3 million adults have suicidal thoughts. 1.1 million make plans to commit suicide. And then I found that the third leading cause of death is suicide among the ages of 10 to 14. I just cannot 
even begin to fathom that because I remember childhood days and early days, you know, we didn't have as many cares and problems. Some people did, but for the most, most part, and I'm speaking to you older adults, those of you that are, you know, I say in your forties, fifties, sixties, seventies above, you know, do you remember what our childhood was like for the most part? You went to school and sometimes the biggest worries at school were, you know, people picking on you, teasing you, people not liking you because of certain differences or, uh, in my case, things that I went through were harassment from girls who didn't like me because of the way that I looked and I had long hair. And so I got picked on because of my ponytails and they find little reasons to talk about me. If something wasn't right with my clothing and things like that. Well, as a kid, I didn't understand that that was really an issue with them. I found out later, you know, as I've started to grow uh, what the issues were behind that. And they were going through stuff in their lives or at home or whatever. See, I wasn't, and I'm in no way saying that I am perfect, but I, I just was not this person. And to this day, I'm not, I didn't pick with people. I didn't pick on people. Now in fun teasing and things that kids do, I did it with my brother, my cousins. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how even today, some people bully and maliciously tease and deliberately hurt or shame or embarrass people. And statistics have shown that some kids have committed suicide behind this. I mean, we've experienced it, but I don't, I guess it wasn't to that degree. And, and I do remember the feelings of being talked about. I can remember sometimes my teacher, my second grade teacher, Miss Washington, I liked her a lot. Um, she died when I was in, I think the third or the fourth grade, she died in her sleep, but we found out later that Miss Washington had a problem with alcohol. And that probably would explain why a lot of times she wore shades in the classroom and she would come to work sometimes with Mitch Mac mix match socks on. And, you know, she liked me and she liked my girlfriend, Sherry, and she sometimes or a lot of times, or I should say all the time, played favorites with us. We were what was termed the teacher's pets. And she'd call us up to the board and she'd tell us to watch the class when she went across the hall to talk to one of the other teachers and stuff like that. She would eat in the classroom and she I remember she would have like fish platters and chicken wings and stuff like that. And she'd eat some and then she'd say, Stephanie, Shay, Y'all can come up here and she would let us eat and finish it. We were just her favorites for whatever reason. And so the other kids didn't like that, especially some of the girls in the class. And for some reason, they picked on me and not Shay. And uh, it didn't feel very good. I remember one time they actually made me cry. I stood in front of the class and when Miss Washington left, they started saying things like, I don't know why she called her up there and she, um, look at her with that dress on. Ain't that the same dress she had on? We went on a trip to Washington. Now my mother bought me a couple little sundresses and I wore one on a trip to Washington, DC. And then a few days later I wore the other one, but I guess they didn't notice or they didn't care. I mean, they talk about my clothes and things like that. And she thinks she cute and da, 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 da. And I remember I started to cry. 
And then one of the main ring, ringleaders, her name was Darletta. Isn't it amazing how you can still remember this stuff? So many, this is more than, this is like more than 40 years ago. And I can still remember it. I remember the feeling and I remember I started to cry. And then she went and grabbed some tissues and she came and, and apologized and told me to wipe my face and stuff. And what it was, it wasn't that they cared. It was that they didn't want Miss Washington to come in and see me crying and, you know, they get in trouble. So I remember those episodes and what it did, it didn't make me suicidal. At that age, I don't even think I knew anything about suicide. It did make me feel bad and it made me start to withdraw a lot. I was an introvert already, but what I did was, and someone wrote a book about that. They said, or I heard a sermon. Matter of fact, I heard a sermon about it from Dan Moeller. And he was saying a lot of what happened in our childhood either caused us to become fighters or introverts. We went inside. And so I would stand on the wall by myself doing recess and I would kind of sit by myself and it, it, it became normal to me. It was okay because I felt like I'd rather be by myself than be with people who are going to be mean to me and things like that. It didn't, it, the pressure wasn't so bad that it make, made me want to take my life. So what, what our children are dealing with, it, it's heavy. And for whatever reason, and there may be things at home and sometimes drugs play a part and all of the type of uh, devices and the, the things that they have access to, it's a totally different mindset. And for whatever reason, they are plummeting and spiraling downward in, into this low place where they feel like taking their lives is a way out. That's a problem. That is a problem. And, and one of the things that I think about, I don't normally voice my opinions and I, I didn't want to get too heavy because there are, there are multitudes of shows, multitudes of people. I'm not a journalist. I am not a newscaster. I'm not a talk show host, but I am an American and I am a woman and I have experienced a lot. I've raised children. I've helped raise my grandson for the first four, four and a half, five years of his life. Um, I have had a lot of experiences with young people. I, I, I have my opinions. And so because I can do pretty much what I want on my podcast, I'm sharing how I feel about it. And so I sit back and I look at the world. I look at all of these politicians and lawmakers making laws cutting programs, cutting funding. A lot of people are living high off the hog, but there's not a lot of money for programs that our young people need. Those are the things that seem to always be cut away. And then when you have children who are coming up in low economic, you know, classes, they're already disadvantaged, but then they go to schools and live in neighborhoods and things of this nature where they're going to be ostracized by their peers who, you know, have it better and things like that. So they have to sit up under that pressure every single day going to school. But then on top of that, they go to school now worrying about gang members. They worry about people 
blowing stuff up around them. They don't know, am, am I going to go to school today? And there's some drama. Is it going to be a lockdown because somebody is shooting uh, a teacher goes home and they have problems and they come back unloading in the school. All this stuff is in the news. So it's nothing that I'm saying is foreign or unknown. This is just a fact. They don't know from day to day, I have to go to school and I have to go through metal detectors because somebody may be carrying a gun. I may be sitting in class right now with somebody who's carrying a knife. That person may be thinking about not only committing suicide, but taking me out with them. There is a lot of pressure in the lives of our young people. And that's probably not even really scratching the surface. Some of them are experiencing personal problems at home. Some of them have been raped, molested, uh, abused, boys and girls. Some of them have secrets that they cannot tell anyone about. Some of them are living in fear. Some of them are being terrorized in their homes, in their neighborhoods. I mean, and the list goes on and on and on. And it's like, who can I talk to? Who can I trust with this? And, and trust with this. And then what about the times when they have tried to trust someone, a pastor, a priest, uh, you know, a neighbor, uh, 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 an uncle, uh, a father, an uh, uh, uh older sibling, a cousin. How many times have I reached out the, the grocery person, the restaurant person, a teacher in school? How many times have I reached out or tried to reach out and either been ignored or pushed aside or criticized or judged or even hurt even more. You know, these are some of the issues that they have to deal with. And then when you're already in a society that promotes isolation and by that, I mean, oh, it's okay. Just take your cell phone, take your tablet, take your iPad, just go on about your business and we'll make all of this available to you. Sometimes parents even do that. They put all of these things in place of their children. And I can say that because that's something I never did. Was I a perfect parent? Did I do everything right? No way. But I raised my kids. The TV didn't raise my kids. There were times that I left my job, took leaves because my kids needed me more at home. Schoolwork was important. Things going on at school, their health. I was there to take care of my children. I taught them how to read. I taught them the Bible. I did work with them. I took care of my children. I raised them. I talked to them. I taught them the things that they needed to know to survive. I did my job as a parent. I didn't leave it up to everybody else, including the daycares. And today I'm a proud mother because I can look back and I can say, thank God my children didn't go the gang route. They didn't go through the drugs and the alcohol. I never once in rearing my children got a call from a police officer or a complaint from a, a neighbor or anything like that telling me my kids are doing this and that and things like that. They were raised with morals. They were raised um, with a foundation, which basically was on the word of God. Now that didn't keep us from everything. It didn't keep them from everything. It didn't keep me from everything growing up. But there is a difference when children know that you care, when you are involved in their lives, when you care enough to know their friends. And know it is so different today. 
it is so different than the times that we grew up in, you know? So our children are in trouble, bottom, bottom line. And then I look at the fact that we have all of these churches and all of these ministries and all of this stuff that is supposed to be a help. It is supposed to be an answer. So many youth programs all over the world, so many after school programs, all of these things are supposed to be catering to our children, giving them, oh, excuse me, <laughs> giving them, I was chewing some ginger chews before I, I started, but all of these things supposedly helping them, giving them stuff to do, but yet they're still committing suicide. And I'm like, why God? Why? What, what is going on? And then let's, let's turn it over to what cannot be ignored. We have an enemy out there, the devil. He is shrewd. He is crafty and he is after our children. He wants to cut them off before they have a chance to reach their destinies. He starts when they're young. He starts working in the mind. That's why we need to watch the games and things that we allow, the devices and stuff that we allow our children to have. Yes, my son has video games. The Wii, his brother gave him. He has a old uh, Sega Genesis console, like I guess one of the original ones that my husband bought. And he has the Pac-Man joystick and Miss Pac-Man. And guess what? His games are monitored. He is not allowed to be on the game all day, all week. He mainly plays, especially during the school year, on the weekends. And I did the same types of things with my older children. You do not sit up here and play the game all day. You come home, you do your homework, you read, you do, you know, you do things. Need it's it's not game and TV in my house 24 seven. So he's not only is he monitored, but we play even the way we play and we do stuff with him. We spend time with our child. Nobody was going to raise and get their hands on my child. So that was why I made the decision to be a home school mom all the way with him because of the times that we're living in, because I see what the schools have become. And I'll say this, I've said it to many people and I was sharing some of my views with a, she was a Caucasian lady. We were at the swimming pool with my son. Um, we were at the swimming pool, my son and I one day, and she was sitting there and she was just observing how we were interacting and stuff like that. And we just started talking. And so when I told her, she said, he's very intelligent. She said, I'm listening to him. People say this all the time, even at the, uh, the spa, the other day, the two women were just marveling over my son. They said, you could just tell the difference in him right away, the way he speaks and things like that. So as I started talking to the lady and I got a little passionate and she was like, what made you decide to homeschool? And when I started talking, when I finished, the lady said, wow, she said, you need to run for president and I will definitely vote and support you. And I cracked up laughing. Never in my life have I ever thought about being a politician <laughs> ever. And um, yeah, something I probably would never, ever, ever do. But I do have my views and I do have my opinions. So that's all I'm doing. Just sharing my opinions. And um, yeah, I even forgot where I was before I went with that one. But the whole point is 
our children are in trouble. And those that aren't in trouble, they're headed for trouble at some point. And I remember I was about to say about the schools. This is what I tell people. When they took prayer and the Bible reading out of school, they kicked God out and we're supposed to be one nation under God. No, we're not. On the dollar bill in God we trust. No, we don't. In man they trust. When they kick God out, Satan moved right in full force. And ever since then, it has been hell on wheels. School shootings, the uh, suicide rates and the bullying, harassment, all kind of stuff going on in these schools. And, you know, let's not even talk about um, the classes. And I mean, I was away with my son in a library in a certain part of Virginia where they were, they actually had books on uh, homosexuality and lesbianism. And then they, they had advertised that they were having some type of little, um, I forget what they call it, but they were having some type of parade or something at the library for children. And they had drag queens and stuff coming uh, to, to talk to the children and show them, you know, their clothing and what their lifestyles were like. And I looked around at the books on a shelf and there, it was like books. I can't think of the titles, but it was like, uh, say like Johnny's John, something, the boy show and tell and something about, you know, Johnny has two daddies and all that. And I, I, I looked at the library and I said, is this real? Is this for real? this is seriously being promoted in the school. And she said, Oh yeah, it's, it's, you know, yes, it's coming. It's, you know, they're, they're doing something in California. And I said, Lord Jesus, I said, this is why I never put my child in school and I never had any intentions to. So, okay. That's my tangent for now. I'm going to end with a word of prayer. One thing that I do want to say, and I want to leave um, with you from the word of God, second Timothy one and seven says for God have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we cannot be afraid. He has not given us the spirit of fear and we should not be afraid to deal with or address issues affecting us and affecting our children in our way of life. So having said that, Father, I thank you. I bless you and honor you. And I lift up your people everywhere. Those who are listening to my voice today, I pray your blessings upon them. I pray for peace. Your word says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts me. Father, I ask that your people would learn to trust you, even our children. Father God, I ask that you would surround our children all over this nation, every city, every state, every country, every township, every dividing line where children exist. Bless them, Father. Lift them up, lift their hearts up, oh God. Shield and cover and protect them. Like Psalm 91 says, your angels have charge 
over them to keep them. Father God, let your children be protected this day. Cover them under the blood of Jesus, wherever they are, wherever they travel, wherever they may be at this very moment. God, keep them from dangers that are surrounding them. We know that we have an enemy and our enemy is real. And his only mission is to still kill and destroy. But I thank you that you said, Jesus, I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. God, I'm praying, oh God, that you will wake your people up. There are many programs, many reports that people can get a hold of. We have everything at our fingertips. Wake your people up and give us the solutions, God, what we are to do about our children because so many of them are in trouble. They're slipping through the cracks. We are losing our babies, God. All these years, I've heard war on this, war on drugs, war on this. Why is it we have so much war and no peace? God, we need a demonstration of peace, even in the lives of our children. I pray right now that you will put loving, caring people around them and send the help that is needed and open up our eyes to see what we can do in our own circumstances, in our own neighborhoods, in our own communities, God. Wake your people up. Do what only you can do. And we'll be so careful to glorify you. God, bless and touch every child, every single child, and let them know that they are loved today. Amen. I thank you so much for your time. And I will talk to you again on the next episode.